What up, everyone? Welcome again to another episode from my mom's garage. As always, this is your host, Tony, with Nikki. Saludo. Hello, everybody. What's going on? What's going on? Not much, man. Just another day. Try to make another dollar. Nice. We had a, a emotional and kind of enjoyable weekend this weekend. We went to South Florida. Mm-hmm. I took you to Tap 42 for the first time. <laughs> yeah. So you, I know you, if people don't know, Nick's been on this journey of finding the best burger in Orlando. So I was like, one of my favorite spots in South Florida for burger spots is Tap 42. Does mm-hmm. they have a prohibition burger? I don't know what it is. It's, it's a combination of everything that they put on it that just makes it really good. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what did you think? You never tell me what you really thought I about it. You t- just, I told you. But it was loud and I was drinking. And uh, it, it was, uh, well, I'll, do, I said I'll, I'll, I'll say a real short, short, make a long story short. Mm. Uh, f- a close friend of mine passed away. And that morning or that afternoon, we went to his mass, his funeral, I had to speak. And after that, we went out to have dinner and continue the story. Because at that point, I was like, I was I was listening, but I wasn't really, I was hearing, but I wasn't really listening. So, no, um, what I had said was, because the thing is, I, I've been on this thing where, not just for burgers, but for most things, I have a very limited palate, I feel like. I know I do. Um, but I also am on this thing where I really want to enjoy certain new tastes, new flavors. So what I've been doing is I go to restaurants and I try to order, you know, it could be something that I'm used to, but without edit, you know, like no... No, take this out, put this in, none of that stuff. If I go there and I say I get, I want to get a steak or something like that that they make, I don't make alterations to it. I just get it the way they make it because I'm Before guessing, you used to. Not before I didn't do that. Before I would, uh, always, yeah, I would edit. I would like, because like, for example, I don't like onions. Like, yeah. And it's not always that the taste of onions, it's the texture of onions that gets me. I think, so you have a texture thing. Yeah. Uh, but still, I always... Edit stuff like that. Like, for example, I probably could have got a steak somewhere and maybe said no mushrooms or something. You know, like. Yeah. So, but what I've been doing lately is I want to try to enjoy things the way the chef intended, whoever created that menu intended. Yeah. So, I've been going to places and even even if I order, because sometimes I try to order something outside of my my bubble. But then. A little comfort zone. Yeah. But then sometimes I just order what it is in my bubble, but without edit, without changing anything. Just, hey, listen, the way it it was intended, I'll take it. Yeah. So when it comes to that burger, one of the things that was in the burger that um, I normally, like I said, normally edit out, which is onions. And the one thing I wanted, the one thing I was trying to tell you that day was that I felt it could have, because right now I had crispy, had very crispy onions, almost like like literally just took out the fridge of onions cut yeah. in there. It's like really fresh onions. Yeah, but it was it was very crispy, which the whole burger was very, you know, Nice, sautéed, everything worked well. The only thing I, that really threw me off was the crisp onions. Like, I felt that if those onions were more sautéed, it would have blended better with the with the sandwich. That's what I was trying to tell you. Okay. So, it was good. The sauce, everything was good. But oh, I the, felt like the, the, the onions were too crisp. Yeah, it's kind of like... Um, I get what you're saying. So, you, so, do you think they did it like that to balance out because everything else was so sautéed? Like, I felt like maybe whoever made it, maybe they weren't intended to be... So crisp like that, like you thought they were gonna like marinate. I mean, like or something, something like where a little it's bit like more grilled, a little bit more softer, softer to the palate. Like, yeah, like where you kind of get the flavor and not the because it was such a difference in texture that it threw me off in a sense, right? Because I'm I'm chewing into this burger that everything about the burger is very, it's a little crispy, but it, you can tell it's still like you know like almost sautéed. It was all flavorful, mm-hmm. but this one thing was like out of the ordinary crisp, like. It, it wasn't intended for that type of thing. You know, I'm, maybe, I'm, I mean, those places I'm nitpicking, obviously, but, yeah. you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do, you know, give my honest opinion. No, no, of course. Um, and it's funny because today I had uh, what that one spot. <laughs> that one, oh, I fucking love that place. So this place is called The One Stop. It's on a Koei by Colonial and McGuire. If you're from Orlando, go check it out. But if you're not from Orlando and you want to, if you ever come to Orlando, look up this restaurant called That One Spot. That's the name of it. People think I'm joking. I'm like, I want to go to that one spot. And they'll be like, what is the name of it? That one spot. But that's the name of it. Uh, but yeah, it's, they have, I think they have, what is it, like seven different burgers on the, tip, different types of burgers on the menu? Yeah. It's, not like a, it's, it's very not over, 
too much. Like some restaurants have like seven, six, like 10, 12 different variations. They only have like six, I think. And they have like a chicken option, a turkey option, a salmon option. And I think out of the burgers itself, I think I've tried four out of the six or seven. Mm-hmm. And I've tried the salmon and I've tried the turkey and all of them are fucking phenomenal. <laughs> fucking all of them. You know, it's funny is like I like because I keep on thinking they're super expensive. But then I realized today it's not that they're expensive. It's just that I keep on ordering my own sandwich because like the other day I ordered the sandwich based on a menu. And uh, another time I ordered a sandwich based on a menu. It was fairly, you know, it was like 13 bucks on my dad. I was like, oh, cool. This is, this is not that bad compared to other times. And then today, um, I think my burger was like 20 something. And it was my order was like 20 something. And I'm like, why is this much more expensive? It's because I ordered mine today, which is because sometimes I just do this blindly. You know, I call burger places. I just like, you know, they ask me what I want without knowing at the menu. Yeah. Um, a double patty cheeseburger uh, or bacon cheeseburger. Yeah. So that's literally my, not my creation, but that's just what I saw off the top of my head. Your standard. But the thing is, they all, like, all their burgers are one patty. Oh, so they doubled up on the patty. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's jaw breaking. Let's say that. Yeah. It was a massive burger. So today was good. Yeah. <laughs> but it's hard to give like it give like a, a good, honest like flavor, you know, kind of like comparison only because <laughs> that thing filled me up so much. I was like I just felt like a whale when I was yeah, done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so if anybody has any recommendations for Nick yep, yep. about a burger spot that you highly recommend, please let us know in the comments. Send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you can find us. But so we need to find this new, uh, the best burger in Orlando. But let's <laughs> we we continue. Let's get into some topics. All right. So one funny enough is that remember the movie Eight Bit Christmas? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we 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 did a review about it a few few weeks ago. And they they advertise as being the new Christmas story of our time. Yeah. Uh, They're trying to be the new, yeah. The the new Christmas Christmas story. story, Literally Christmas story, yeah. So now the original star of A Christmas Story, uh, Peter uh, Bingsley, is making a sequel to A Christmas Story. You know, technically there was already a sequel to this Christmas story. Yeah, wasn't it called like Another Christmas Story? It wasn't, no. I mean, well, I, you might be right. I'm not sure. A, I think it was called Another Christmas. But there story. was a movie I saw that was like, it was based on like the July 4th, right? Yeah, I think they went to another holiday or something. Like yeah, that. and it wasn't the same actors. Obviously, it was just years later, but it was the same storytelling method. I think they even used the same names and stuff like that. So I, that's the one I consider the sequel. But I, you might be right. They might have made kind of a straight to DVD type. Yeah, they. I think I think you're right. They they did make a straight to DVD sequel, mm-hmm. but nothing that went into theater. But now he is producing it and directing. I think he's producing and starring it. And this one, uh, from what they what they released so far, was that it's gonna follow him going back to his whole, whole uh, hometown mm-hmm. and meeting up with his friends now that they're older. And showing his ki- his kids like the the uh, like the essence of Christmas and of what Christmas was for him during that time, yeah. while trying to recreate uh, reconnect with his dad or like meeting his dad again and everything else. I I'm I'm all for it. But the thing is, okay, wait. So I forget who the actor the, the one you're talking about is. Did he become like a director, or is he just trying to he's, do? He's producing. Okay, now I know. But what did he? I know he's an actor. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff, but was he a, is he a director in, in real life or? I think he got into the show business. And I know he's an actor. Like I've seen him in movies and stuff like that. Like I've seen him in acting. Yeah. But I didn't know if he became a director. Like that's what I'm saying. Like I just hope it's not like somebody who's using their position, their fame to try to create that, but doesn't have the actual like ability to do it. Well, he's he's producing, so I don't know if he's directed. He's he is producing. I'll produce. Okay, he's producing. He has directed a few movies or TV shows. Mm-hmm. He's done. Oh, he did. He he directed a couples retreat. That's the one with. Uh, I remember that one. With uh, what's his what's his name? Vince uh, Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Willie wasn't Defoe. he? The, wasn't he in the breakup? I think he was part of the part of the breakup, like in the movie. He was in the movie. Uh, 
I think he was. He was in Far uh, Far From Home, mm-hmm. uh, Four Christmases, Iron Man, The Breakup, Elf. Um, so he's been, he's had his hand in those movies. Like, yeah, he's had his hand in those movies as as a producer. Uh, he's produced F is for Family, the TV series. Yeah, I've seen it before. Uh, he's done Give Us a Day, a documentary. He's produced uh, Sullivan and Son. It's a show that came out in the mid twelfth, uh, two thousand twelve. Uh, Four Christmases. He's produced. He was an executive producer for Iron Man, the first one. He was a producer for The Breakup. So he has. A, but the thing is, is made. What, so he's done a few movies with William. Uh, with uh, what's her boy's name? So, um, I just said it too. Nevin's <laughs> <laughs> Vaughn. Uh, with who? Oh, with um um. The director for uh, Happy, yeah, Happy. I'm, 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 I'm drawing a blank, and I know somebody's gonna kill us for this. Of course, this man is a, the pop culture John, legend. John Favreau, pop culture legend. At this I, point. I just drew a blank for a second, but John Favreau, he's worked a um, few movies with him. So, well, I mean, the thing is, okay, so I will give him the credit that he probably is gonna produce a good movie, and yeah, it's gonna hit nostalgia hardcore. Oh, yeah, isn't it? But the question is, I wonder, like, is he going to address some of the critiques he's had about the movie? Well, not him. He was just a kid actor in the movie. Yeah. But the movie got critiques based on um, a couple of, like, racist depictions of characters. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, that, that was but a time that where was, that was, like, a commonplace. But, yeah. I mean. Um, I, I feel like he's gonna, they're going to, they are going to. Make fun of it? Maybe? Make fun of it, probably. Or completely ignore it. Those, those are the two things. But I think. If anything, I think he should lean on that and make mm-hmm. fun of it, make it as a joke, be like, "Hey, we weren't like that before," and just joke it like a hand off, like hand off comment of it or joke about like it. He sees one of the guys that are working there. He's like, "Oh, you want to talk like this?" Like, like, nah, nah, man. Like, oh, but you know, I can do it, man. I remember when you were a kid, you used to love that. I was like, "Nah, nah, nah, cool. dude, it's cool. You don't have to do that. You don't have to. Do- you good. Um, you good. I, like I said, it's gonna hit nostalgia, but I don't know if it's gonna be a true Christmas story in a sense." Because, again, it's a sequel. So it's like if they made another Elf. Yeah. Elf was a great Christmas movie. You loved it because it was a Christmas movie. However, if you make the sequel to it, you don't, re- I don't know, you don't it see it as much as a, as a Christmas movie as you see it as a sequel to Elf. But sometimes Christmas movies do have a good second hit. Like Santa Claus. The second one was really, it was pretty good. Third one was That was a little crap. more difficult because I literally was Christmas. Like that was the, obviously, antithesis of Christmas, which is Santa Claus. Yeah. Um, but like for example, when they made Home Alone two, actually Home, Home Alone two was, felt was way better than Home Alone. 1. Well, Home Alone two felt like it hit like hit the Christmas more theme more. Yeah, like I felt like there was a, like sometimes I forget that uh, that um Home uh, Home Alone the first one was during Christmas. They were all during Christmas. I, I know they were all during Christmas. I was thinking the first one. I felt like. I don't know. I was more. I was more just thinking about this kid at home alone. That was it. Yeah. I didn't really consider that he was home alone for Christmas. Yeah. The second one felt like he was in the Christmas spirit because he went like to he, go see yeah. the Rockefeller tree. Yeah, he went to go see the car and he put together his own things and Christmas and all like that. So get the gifts going. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I felt more Christmassy than part one. Yes. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm interested. I mean, obviously he has the chops. He has the credibility because I. I didn't know if it was going to be some random guy, like eh, you know, because I had this clout. Let me, let me do it. But if he's going to do it with with good intention, I'm happy for it. Yeah. But I mean, I hope he's not doing it to compete with Eight Bit Christmas because Eight Bit Christmas, I loved it, and I I would enjoy it watching it again. I just I don't know. Maybe maybe we're not. Sometimes you don't see something in its own time. So maybe right now, I feel like it's not right now. It doesn't feel like it's going to hit um, like Christmas Story or Home Alone. No, it won't. But maybe that's because we're living we're living in that time now. Maybe. Yeah, because the thing with that is that when Home Alone came out, when uh, Christmas Story came out, they were current. Like there was something that was happening in that culture at that very moment. So everything was pretty within a, within a year or two difference mm-hmm. of when it relatively came out. A bit Christmas is a retrospective of what happened in the eighties, and you're going through that whole story. So the kids now won't relate to it because they're like everything. But adults have, will. But adults will. But that's the thing. 
is that the the Home Alone movies and the Christmas stories resonated more for the kids because of the adventures that they went to because they like I I'm living that time. No, not necessarily. Well, well, because Christmas Story was was up, older it, than than us too because we we saw that in the eighties, and but, they were having Christmas in the fifties or something, right? No, seventies. Seventies. Oh, I don't know, but it it was beyond before that time too. It wasn't current in that time. Like Home Alone was current in that time. Um, Christmas Story, I think he was. It was. It was bringing back a nostalgic time. Like for example, Christmas like, Story uh, came out in eighty three. Huh? Christmas Story was set, oh, but it was in the forties though. See, that's what I mean. Yeah. So you can't really say use that one. Yeah, that's true. The whole that's point is the dynamics never change, regardless of year it is. There's always a thing that kid that people that kids want at the time. There's always. You know, uh, uh, like the the things we arguments with, and then like, trust me, there was a lot of stuff about that movie that I could see, you know, kids now dealing with. As far as like, especially the the dynamic of the friends, how they used to get together, mm-hmm. how they would joke on each other, stuff like that. Like, yeah, I find that all relevant now. They might it might have different topics and different different forms reasons of, for, and forms of communication because a lot of everything, everything is like social media or yeah, that's what I'm saying. That but you still it's have still, it yeah. still happens. Yeah, you know. I feel like they can still connect to it. Yeah, but we'll see. He he's still he he he's producing it, so you, you're getting it from the minds of the original actor in the movie. So I just he might be too close. Like I'm hoping he does it, and I hope he does a good you job. You think he's too close to the, to the subject matter? Well, no. If he's producing it, that's great. Because if he was if he's, he was start like directing, he's starring. It, well, he's starring. I'm saying, but if he was directing, I think he might be too close. Like, oh, okay, I got you. But since he's starring in it. He can give his two cents in it, but ultimately the director or somebody with a perspective, you know, outside of it who enjoyed it and knows how to put it together would, would is best to kind of express it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm happy for it. I'm happy to do it that way. If you told me who's directing it, it might be too close. Gotcha. All right. Next. Uh, what you know, what's my favorite show? The Office. <laughs> OK. Right? OK. So John Krasinski and Steve Carell are teaming up for another movie. A movie? Yes. Give me another movie. Well, a, a movie. I thought they were in a movie together before. Which movie? It, no, it wasn't. Sorry. Wrong actor that worked with John Krasinski. I'm really thinking they should have made a movie. Like, they really should have made a movie a long time ago. All three of them. You know who the three. <laughs> John Krasinski. Um, Steve Carell. Steve Carell and, and the guy who plays Dwight. Rain Wilson. Yeah. They should have. They should have made a movie together years ago. Something with a dynamic like they have, like some kind of competitive nature between all three of them, that would have been funny. Yeah. So this is John Krasinski next day, uh, directorial movie. Uh, it's going to be called If, and they have an, a great cast, I might okay. say. So they have uh, Kaylee Fleming from Loki. Alan, uh, Alan Kim from uh, Minari, Louis Gossip Jr., Gossip Jr. That's a name I've heard in a long time. Yes. Yes. Also, they have uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Fiona Shaw, and Ryan Reynolds in this movie. And they're both going to be in the movie as well? As- yes. Okay. The, these are all the actors that they have in the movie. And this project is called if he, he hasn't said what the... The um, the what is the the synopsis of it so far? Mm-hmm. But it's a family film set to be released in Paramount by November twenty twenty three, and apparently it's like it's an original. He wrote the story. Who did? Krasinski. Oh, he produced it. Oh, wow. He wrote this one, directed, and I think he might be starring in it. He might be starring in. It. I'm not sure if they confirmed that. But from from the talks is that it's going to stem from an original idea that he has about a children's journey, a child's journey to rediscover their imagination. Hmm. So, so I wonder if they're all characters in this imagination. It would be awesome. It's like, crazy it's to like, see. Actually, you know, it's funny. I never I, I thought that, that actually has a good mix to it. Having Ryan Reynolds and John Krasinski together for some reason. Yeah, that they, I think they'll balance each other. I feel like they could. I feel like they really could, um, only because again, obviously John Krasinski has shown his comedic timing when he did The Office, but he's shown his like more serious, yeah, storytelling more direct. Like, I mean, he wrote he wrote Quiet Place. That's not, he wrote, directed, and all that stuff. He did everything. Yeah, all that. He yeah. Did so, all three. and I'm not. I, I can't. I mean, like, I hope. I hope it doesn't 
speak to him as far as the part two because part two was different, but part one definitely was amazing. Yeah. So so I read this and I'm like, and I think it was like at first I thought he was in another movie with him. Now that I think about it, he wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of uh, he was in a movie with um, Mandy Moore, but it was Robin Williams. Yeah, the well, he was a priest. Yeah, he was a priest, and that for some reason I I thought it was I was it was mm-hmm. Steve Carell for some odd moment, but it wasn't. But let's I I I read this and I'm like, I could see him doing family friend uh, like a family film set, because I I don't know during the pandemic and this is off because during the pandemic he had he, when we were all like in uh in quarantine and everybody was home. He had like his own little YouTube channel for like, I think it only lasted 15 weeks or like 12 weeks or something. Yeah, but he was like, he literally was like, it's almost like he tried to bring everybody's spirit up. Yeah, through positive news around the world. And people loved him. And I think he can, he left a page open that he has other people that manages it and other, and I'm assuming I haven't watched, I haven't gone back to it, Mm -hmm. that they had other people post videos of like good news and then uh, re-upload it there. But during that time, I'm like, people needed that. People needed that. And I'm like, wow, he's just a good dude that's just trying to put positivity on the world. And I'm like, I, I that plus how he, he directed uh, Quiet Place, plus how he told the, how the story in itself, aside, apart from directing, if you, if you just read the script of A Quiet Place, you're like, this is fucking intense. I've never seen a thought of an idea of like, you have to be silent or the way how a story, the way the story is told about family and connection through nonverbal communication and everything. Cause the movie was, it was, what was it? The movie was really about like it was about, a, about alien uh, invasion, but it had so much deeper meaning in the movie. I had an argument with somebody. I'm not an argument. I, I was somebody who started somebody and I was like, they said they don't watch scary movies. And I'm like, but you got to watch this one. And they were like, why? It's a scary movie. I don't watch scary movies. And I'm like, but it's just beyond scary movie. It's like you don't even think that about the aliens and the monsters as much as you think about what the family is doing. And, I mean, there's going to be parts in this movie. It's a scary movie that's going to make you cry more than almost any emotional movie you could watch. Any love story movie, any dramatic movie, this is going to break your heart or whatever because there's so many scenes where it's like the the way the father attempts to connect to his daughter who's having having difficulties, this family dealing with this huge um, loss that none of them seem to, like, they all, they don't get past that. They're, the parts where the, the, the husband and wife connect, on a, and you, like, look at that, like, there's the part where uh, John Krasinski and, and his wife, um, Emily Blunt, are literally just sharing a moment with headphones because that's the only way they can hear music and dance together was so intimate, so like tender. I'm like, damn, this is yeah. like a love story by so like so even though it's even it's considered a horror, harsh, but it, it hits like grief, loss, love, yeah, connection, uh reconnection because during the process they do lose some type of connection and he tries to reconnect with his daughter yeah. and dealing with the sun and how to how to maneuver in this new world that they live in and every it was more of a story of the internal aspects and internal struggles of the whole family than the aliens itself yeah and that's the great and that's and that's what was amazing about it because he told it beautifully he wrote it beautifully and we got this beautiful movie that all it's all surrounded by calling it a horror alien invasion which if you look at it in a deeper level it was nothing about it. So now here, he, you're making a movie called If. And it's going to be stemmed from the idea of a child's um, journey to rediscover their imagination. So you would have to assume is that something happened that they lost it. Because if you have to rediscover it, it has to be some type of loss. You have to lose in the process that you, you either grow up, you have to grow up sooner than you did and trying to get back to it. No, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be definitely like. It's probably gonna be heartbreaking. More like he he seems like that's what I, the things I love about, especially I think we we saw that we talked about that in Screen Five, elevated horror. Don't get yeah. me wrong, you give me a good slasher movie, a good uh, uh shoot, you know, 
monsters killing people type thing for fun. Jump scares, all yeah, that. Yeah, it's I dude, I love it. I, I grew up with that. That's my favorite. So my favorites. However, I am loving the because you know what bothers me about like say whenever they make a drama, right? Yeah. They set it in a normal setting, you know, like a normal day to day setting, right? Or they make any kind of anything that's being taken seriously is usually preset in a normal setting or it's an action movie. Yeah. But then when you hear about like monsters and aliens and stuff like that, that's that you don't really consider there's a drama in there. You don't consider there's a love story in there. I mean, if they do, it's played for comedy, you know? Yeah. But to make to make a movie and then focus on actual traumatic issues and, and like real life issues in a kind of like fantasy horror setting is amazing. Oh yeah. And I have one example for that too. Which one? Love and Monsters. And I've, I know I've mentioned this. And you know what's funny? That's another underrated, like I think people still, that's what, you know what's funny? This, uh, this last couple of years, I think there's so many sleepers that just left, like, like people left a notice. Cause like for today I was watching a video where they were talking. Um, there's another podcast. I listened to, well, another YouTube page that, that I love listening to that you put me on actually. Um, and they You're were talking, <laughs> and they were talking about uh, the Mitchells, Mitchells versus the Machine. Yes, oh, I love that that movie. <laughs> I think that's in my top three movies of 2022, 2021. Top three movies. Another one that, Easy. that like you you really hope you pray people watch it because it was so good, it was so good. And again, Love and Monsters is another one that was so good that you were surprised how good it was because it didn't really look like it would be. That good. It just yeah. it looked like it would be okay, but it wouldn't be like that good. But you watch it, like man, and you you feel more like there's those moments of connection and loss and stuff like that. You feel it. Yeah. Again, set in a kind of horror type background, but that one's more considered horror, like more comedy than anything else. Yeah, but it was considered comedy be- just because the character itself, but the journey on its own. No, I think that, and that's yeah, that's it, it had a deeper. He had a deeper, deeper meaning, deeper meaning with it, and and the connections he made, and what he lost, when he lost, what he learned, what he was able to 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 say, good, like have closure with. Yeah. Uh, that movie, funny enough, that movie made me cry. Oh, there was a most definitely, there. most definitely. Okay, so next topic, we're talking, we'll continue with new movies that have been announced or in works of. The Rock has announced that he is making another video game movie. Uh, but he's not. He will not see which franchise. But they were also announcing that it'll be closely tied, or is be working with Microsoft. So the only game that I could think that he would do, being The Rock, would be Gears of War. Because he did Doom, and it it was it was it was bad. Hey, like, it, Doom it, is like one of those things where it's like you don't really consider that. Like that was before. He really came like that. I feel like that's like his uh, presets. It's almost like saying this, this was Vin this, Diesel made no, uh, uh, commercials for. This is when he was called the for, Rock like, uh, the sh- instead of it? Dwayne Johnson. That's what I'm saying. Like I feel like that was before, that was his transition. Yeah, when when the, the Vin Diesel was making breakdance videos. Oh, he like, did the <laughs> Tiger Shark commercial toy commercials. Yeah, Tiger, like those shark so, yeah. street shark commercials. Like, street shark. That's what street shark. That's kind of how you see because like I feel like I see whenever I think about him in those roles, I think of. Uh, um, I think of Doom. I think of uh, Walking Tall. I think of um, what was another one? I feel like there was something else like that. It was like young. Um, the one where he the pacifier. Where, no, that was Vin Diesel. No, the Tooth Fairy. The Tooth Fairy, yeah. Where it's like, yeah, you you remember them and you liked him for those, but it didn't feel like The Rock. Yeah. Like I think when he fir- first truly became The Rock was something like Scorpion King. That he his name was like I felt like he became oh sorry but he became Dwayne like Dwayne he became Johnson. the actor that we know now was around uh, the rundown where he started <laughs> the run, yo the rundown and then I think like movies like um uh the the one where he got really big was uh like you know like I said the the Scorpion King yeah was where you started to see him that way like you truly saw him in the way we see him let's say a little bit more now. I think it was Scorpion King for sure. Yeah, like Race to Winch Mountain, Get Smart, The Game Plan. I think he, during that time, yeah, Gridiron Gang, he was called The Rock. He was like The Rock. But now, like, he's Dwayne Johnson. 
Did you ever? Did you ever consider? You know, I I just realized something, because, oh wow, I just realized something. What? So okay, um, so remember I just said I think one of the movies that kind of set his career up like to what it is now is something like Scorpion King, right? Yeah. But Scorpion King, the character played in another movie before it actually had his own movie, right? Yes. Which was the Mummy, right? So the one movie that a lot of people, if you look online, associate with. Um, Val Kilmer, not Val Kilmer. Um, sorry, Brandon Fraser. Brandon Fraser's decline, as far as his role in Hollywood, was when he declined to do the Mummy uh, Two. No, no, he didn't. He did Mummy Two and Three. No, when he declined to do Journey to the Center of the Earth Part Two. Oh yeah, and yes. who yeah. took he that p- role? He picked that. He picked up that role. And he actually, I think, a lot of people credit his rise to success from that role. Which I've never seen that one, but yeah, because I think Brendan Fraser did good in the first one, so people was like, it was oh. very popular. Yeah, he, the people like wanted to see the second one, and then he was like, he got out for some. I forgot I, what it was. I, I forget the reason he he got out. He was he was either pulled out or he stepped away, and then rocks the rock stepped in to fill that role, and then we got Dwayne Johnson making another another because <laughs> he did Rampage. That's another video game adaptation he did, Doom. I don't know if you wouldn't call Jumanji one, but Jumanji was just a game. Well, I mean, it's not a video game because it was the movie, like yeah, the movie of, based off of a, a game. Based movie, off, movie uh, of a game, but a, not necessarily based off a game. A fictional game. Yeah. But the yeah. game was So I'm, I'm, I'm calling it. He hasn't made the franchise, and being that it's supposedly working with Microsoft, and he said this is going to be the, uh, the biggest, baddest movie on screen, I feel like it's going to be Gears of War. So Microsoft, just, so, just I mean, speak to my ignorance because I could be wrong. Microsoft is um, Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is other Xbox's biggest biggest game? Because you said franchise. So, other game. No, no, no. But here's the thing. He's one. He says that it's a franchise. He won't name. Okay. Two is a Microsoft. So you're assuming that it would be either an exclusive franchise, as an exclusive franchise to Microsoft, because if they, because if you said he didn't, if he did not say, let's say he would have done. Let's say Call of Duty. Call of Duty goes to everybody. Well, now, recently, Microsoft bought Activision, but in terms of film properties, it could have been Call of Duty. That could have been anybody doing it. So with that, they do have some exclusive so you games. Don't think, you don't think it would be him playing Master Chief? No, because they're doing a Halo TV show. I mean, but they're trying to do, they're, they, tr- they're trying to expand that TV show to movies. That's why uh, that's, okay. is when they're they're trying to do like almost like what Marvel does. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that that's where they're planning to do it to start with TV shows to see what the popularity is and where mm-hmm. they want to lead into to have major movies that connect to that universe. Also, he might be too close related to Dune. I think yes. So like a lot of the the top, the top like I want to say f- few. Um, Microsoft exclusives are, are we already said Halo, mm-hmm. Gears, mm-hmm. Uh, Psychonauts, which is, is wouldn't connect. The only ones that I think that would go close to it, if that would be Forza, which is a racing game, which doubt I, I doubt it. Does that the name recognition for it? Crackdown Three, which is like it pretty much is like a shoot 'em up world destroying game. <laughs> Battle Battle Toads, mm-hmm. which I don't think if they do it, it'll be, he, either it's gonna be animation, he'll be voicing it, and the other one would be Fable, which is a medieval. Yeah, but none of those have the same recognition as Halo gears. and Gears. Um, now let me ask a question because obviously you know whether it's real or not, the the friendship that you usually see based on Hollywood is The Rock and Kevin Hart. Yes. So what's Kevin Hart's movie? Uh, coming out soon. What? Borderlands. Oh, yeah. So, I wonder which one's going to do... Because, wait, is it... He's also going to have... Isn't Jack Black going to be in that movie, too? I think so, but isn't... I Wait, I thought Jack Black was Claptrap? Or is it Kevin uh, the, Hart? The, the, the mach- yeah, the machine. Yeah, clap, no, is it, yeah, the machine. No, no, I'm saying, is it Jack Black or Kevin Hart doing Claptrap? No, 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 no. Uh, I think it's Kevin Hart. Uh, I think it's Jack Black doing the machine. and Claptrap. Yeah, Kevin Hart's going to be one of the actual characters. Oh, okay. Well, then you have the Jumanji crew teaming up in that one, which I'm surprised The Rock doesn't cameo for that. Yeah. Um, but anyways, considering that. So I wonder which or, one. Or, hmm. oh, well, no, because the, 
they do Borderlands, but they could do Borderlands, and he's in it. He's just not saying that he's in that movie. Yeah, but it wouldn't be Microsoft. Microsoft, Microsoft does does own that one. I think they do own that one. I think they they pr- produce it, but it's through like a, a publishing him. company. Another publishing uh, produce uh, game publisher probably has it, but they're working with Microsoft. Nah, like because they announced all the t- the people for that movie a long time ago for them. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. So then if it comes down to it. I'm calling it. It's going to be Gears. I'm calling that right now. It's going to be Gears. Because that's the it. only one that I, I could tell his physique would place so well into that. And plus his charisma and everything else that will go along with it. The question is, who's going to be the cast with him? Because he's not going to do, he's not the only character like that. Yeah, there's going to be several. Terry Crews, probably. <laughs> so it, it, I feel so bad because like. All I can think about is, man, the one person I would love to see in that that position with him would be uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Oh, yeah. You know, God rest his soul. Yes. But, yeah, because he would have that size, like... <laughs> like no other. Do you think if Michael Clark Duncan was still alive, he would be a, he would be a Marvel character? Well, he would, technically, he already has been a Marvel character. Yeah. He but, was Kingpin. Yeah. But, like, do you think he would play a Marvel character in the new universe? In the new universe? I think he, he would be able to. I don't think I don't think he... Because he did a good clingpin, but D'Onofrio fucking stole the show. Oh, no, he did. But he... So he wouldn't, he wouldn't come in Because I think he did a good clingpin as far as size and, and, like, what you would think kingpin would actually physically look like. Yeah. And D'Onofrio... It does have the size, and you know you can't see the intimidation, and obviously they probably make him look bigger than he is. But so he has the size, but not not as big as obviously Michael Clark Duncan. But he he has the intimidation, the factor. intimidation, and the acting chops to really back up that character, yeah. especially the way he methodically talks to people. It's freaking, it's it's unnerving. Yeah, I would give him. I would put him as Groot, just as a deep voice. Groot. No, no, I'm fucking Diesel. That's <laughs> no, funny. You do a great job, Vin. <laughs> All right, last topic or one yeah. of the to- one of the two topics before end of discussion is um, so we already talked about this a few months ago. Uh, Tom Cruise is doing a movie in space, right? Okay. So the company that's behind co-producing the movie. Wants to build an actual film studio in outer space by 2024. <laughs> so, according to uh, Vanity, uh, a variety, it's called the company is called Space Entertainment Enterprise. Uh, so, the module will be called SEE1. It will be built to be able to host films, story, uh, sports, and other entertainment and artistic events. It will be attached to the Axiom Station, which is a commercial laboratory and residential infrastructure, part of the International Space Station, set to separate from the main station in 2028. The new facilities will be allowed to have for the productions, production and, and broadcasting of all kinds of creative content from 250 miles above the Earth's surface. So they're going to be floating just outside of the Earth's orbit. Okay, so they're not going into space. They're just going high enough. Going to orbit. So they're, they're, they're just about at the end of the... Yeah, because I guess by then you, you start to lose um, the gravity. Gravitational pull. Yeah. So they're trying to keep it at that level. And Okay, because if they were in actual space, I, that would be like the worst production ever. Like, <laughs> I just... <laughs> no, because the thing about it, like, you know... I mean, I know a lot of wealthy people have been going into space, but I feel like they've always had this uh, level of, like, as far as their person, you have to be a level of fitness and everything else to be able to get into space. Like, I feel yeah. like, like, you're going to run a whole crew and all these different yeah, people. So, like up there, so, so pretty much the company is creating a movie production studio, a streaming content studio, and a sports arena all in zero gravity. We have hit it. We have <laughs> that we have gotten to that level in our society now. Yeah. So this will be actually. I think this will be the second movie that a fiction, uh, second fictional movie that is actually filled in outer space. If I'm not mistaken, I don't remember what was the first one. I read somewhere that was the second one. 
But what do you? What, this I read this and I thought I just started fucking laughing because <laughs> I'm like, yo, he's really one. Tom Cruise is really reaching. Well, I mean, the, you know, so I, I, you he, gotta give you gotta give him credit. He, you gotta give him credit. So there was a scene before. We, there was a there was a scene mm. in Mission Impossible four or five. The one in Dubai. The one in Dubai that he's hanging on the side of the plane. Plane or building? Plane. Okay. There was. A, I think. There, I think it was four. I. I think. I don't know if it was Dubai, but there was a scene. I know it was Mission Impossible because I remember the movie. So there was a scene that the plane's taking off, and you see him hanging on, and and uh, and holding on while the plane is like turning out. So they, somebody cut the actual what the actual film was, to what was shown. This motherfucker was actually hanging on off the side of the plane with just a cable attached while the plane actually took off. No CGI, nothing. It's fucking practical. Yeah. This motherfucker is crazy. And then he's yeah. like, yo, I want to go to space. I'm like, all right, my dude. No, but that's what you got to do this. That's no? why you said you got to give him credit because he uses his, he already knows he has the chops as far as the credit, like his acting credibility, all these different things and, and demand. No, nobody's going to take that away from him no. ever. But then he's gotten to that point where he's like, you know something? I'm using this. To do the things I've never been able to do. So, yeah, he's going to hang off of a Dubai building that basically you can see the curvature of the earth. Yeah. Because I don't think a lot of people were able to even allow to do that. So he did that. And, yeah, I'm sure he's going to use his influence to go into space. Like, yeah, it's for him. It's all about the experience. Not really about like he's probably doing a killing the movie, killing the job doing the movie. But for him, it's about the experience. Just the. Yeah, yeah. because at, at some point. You're going to get to a certain point when, when it comes to money where it's like, hey, money's not enough. Yeah. But he just laughs at me. He's like, hey, but I'm going to make a movie in space about space. <laughs> I just want to see the sports arena thing. Like, I, I want to laugh if they try to create a sport basic zero gravity. Like, oh my God, what happened if they do like Quidditch? Just everybody floating in broomsticks. So, like, <laughs> they just. Like, like basically like CO two cans like yeah propellers <laughs> off off the broomsticks like they're they're on like CO two can poles they just use oh it. my god <laughs> they just propel themselves and play Quidditch look at guys we're hey uh, what's the uh, what is the space entertainment enterprise you're in the UK uh, get some access to uh, uh, what is it Harry Potter franchise and say that you want to produce a Quidditch in outer space. And boom, you have it. I would just the thing is, I would always have pictured that we would have had a settlement in another planet or something before we start getting into like entertainment in space. Yeah. Imagine if they do like a reality <laughs> TV show, like Big Brother, but it's just in outer space. Like you're uh, out, we're kicking you out of the pod, and then just. I want to <laughs> see. You know, sorry, I want to see a reality. I would watch a reality show based. In actual space, not 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 where they're talking about, like right at the at the edge, in actual space, where people look outside and there's nothing. Like, yeah, psychologically that would mess. Like that's the thing. Psychologically speaking, it will mess up a lot of people. Just like real world, but just don't call it real. Like real out, outer space. Oh, dude. We put seven strangers in, in, in the cabin, and other. we just gonna feel film their reactions throughout the seventh month journey <laughs> around the world. Oh my. Eating, eating paste. No, <laughs> All right. So lastly, we have to talk about this. And, and, and I know we discussed it a little bit, but I wanted to get more in depth with it. Was the uh, Guillermo de Toro released a teaser to his Pinocchio movie, which I thought was a live action, but is not. It's animated. And understanding that, it got me into question, did he do other... He did. Has he directed any other animations? He's done a few TV shows, like The Simpsons. I think he did an episode. Um, I don't know if he did like any f- uh, long feature film as a director. I know he's he probably produced a few. I think he produced like Panda, uh, uh, Kung Fu Panda, if I'm not mistaken. But this, I love the color of it. I like that it it's almost telling the backstory. Because you're introduced to what you're known as, what would be Jiminy Cricket, but his name wasn't Jiminy Cricket, and it was like, um, right? His name was something else, if I'm not mistaken. 
Which one? The Jiminy Cricket? What he like? He was his name was Jiminy Cricket. We were introduced yeah, to Jiminy, Jiminy Cricket. Cricket. Yeah, uh, he said this elongated name, but it was essentially like Jiminy Cricket, right? Something J Cricket. J yeah, J's name was something like that Cricket. And then he was and like you pointed out, he's like, oh, I lived in his heart. Yeah, and I was I was saying was because obviously they show him living in a tree, so I'm guessing that's how their dynamic was. It wasn't just that he ran into him; it was like that. He had made a home in his heart. Yeah. So I'm guessing the proportions of this character are going to be a little bit more, like, larger, bigger. Like, he's probably going to be, like, a big kid, like a teenager almost. Um, But what I liked about what he said, one, I already know it's going to be darker. And that's Ewan McGregor's character. Yeah. It, so I already know it's going to be darker. Yeah. Um, Especially with Guillermo del Toro, like, it's going to be dark. Like, especially for fantasy, because even... Even, like, when you can think about Pan's Labyrinth, who was super fantasy, that was some dark, that was a dark movie, especially the, oh, some yeah. of the acts that they did. So, I mean, because that's what it is. It's about, essentially, a a wooden boy or a wooden, you know, child. But in this case, I'm sure they're going to make it more like a... Because, uh, I don't, like, obviously, if you think about the original uh, Pinocchio, and, you know, he went to this island, he did all these different things... I mean, the whole point was that he's going to be tempted to do these, all these bad things. And I'm thinking he's going to go with more of a teenager versus a, a small child. Yeah. So that he can, you know, he could explore darker themes. And more and more and more, inter- and more I just, like I, I interesting wait, temptations. I, I can't wait to see the set setup he does for these things. I just can't wait to see how he portrays the story. Because the, the character even said it in the thing. He's like, this is... This is not, you know, you think you know the story, but you don't. Yeah. So, I mean, this is going to be like a retelling. So, it's not going to be what we know as the story of Pinocchio. There's going to be something. Um, I want to see the emotional journey he goes through. Well, he did that with, Pan, with Pan's lap with the little girl. So, I'm just like. Well, that's what I'm saying. The little girl. And, you know, that, that's the thing you never knew about Pan's Labyrinth, which was, was it real or not? Um, yeah. Because basically, you could just say that the little girl made this world. To cope with the world that she was living in. Yeah, as a defense mechanism. So, I mean, in this case, I love the whole concept. Because if you think about, let's say, like, um, the movie with um, Robin Williams. Um, um, what name? what dreams we become? No, the one Android one. Oh, Bicentennial Man. Bicentennial Man. That's a good journey to go with. Because I think one of, the, one of the book references he made in the movie was Pinocchio. Yeah. Um, but that's a good journey. For I'm going to watch like that this. movie. I'm going to watch that movie. You don't see the movie? No, I'm gonna watch it again. Oh yeah, it's a beautiful movie. I love the I story. Haven't I, love... Seen, I haven't seen it over like I want to say like ten years. Yeah, because it's that... it's a beautiful journey to do, really figure out what it means to be human. That was the whole yeah. point of the movie is that this guy took two. You know, this uh, android took two hundred years to really figure it out because he felt real. He felt like he deserved, like he was alive, but it took him two hundred years to really understand what it meant to be like human and alive. Yeah. Wasn't the AI almost like a reimagined Pinocchio? What AI, artificial intelligence? No, not I really. It, I thought it was like a very loosely based a Pinocchio, a Pinocchio almost because he was he was he was an android trying to be alive. Well, or... it's not that he was trying to be alive. What it was, it was that. Mind he... you, I haven't seen this movie in such a long time. But I'm okay, a, no, no, I'm, I get you, because but... I remember I I always kind of associate. Biden's Daniel Man or AI, artificial intelligence, because they came out so closely together. So I don't want to call them sister movies, but at the same time, it felt like they were almost each of them going on the same similar journey, storytelling wise. But by, I mean, no, by, I've seen Sebastian's Daniel Man several times. I've had more, more emotional impact from that than artificial intelligence. Well, intelligence. because the reason I say they're not the same journey in a sense, because um, Biden's Daniel Man was personal. Develop who tried to figure out all complex motions. Yes, you know to try to figure out about what it was to be human. Um, and AI, he really wasn't trying to be human as much. He just wanted to be with his mother, right? Because the thing, and oh, it wasn't, yeah. and it wasn't that he would. It was because he had a a great AI, or he was alive. It was because at the time, the designer of this robot was thinking that he could make a robot seem more realistic if he can mimic at least one emotion mm. so he picked love as the emotion yes so this was just a robot that like the one only time they created a robot that actually loved someone 
And that was the kind of the journey that he went through. That he loved his mother because he imprinted on his mother. And everything he did just to be with his mother again. Yes. Because the person, I, I felt like the, the freaking teddy bear had more, <laughs> like, he was felt more alive. Because he was making a lot more emotional decisions throughout the movie. Okay. I don't know. This is my, my if I remember correctly, that's what I remember about it. Yeah, I'm re- I'm just reading the 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 synopsis of it. It goes: a robotic boy, the first program to love, See? David, is adopted to t- to a test case by a cybernetics employee and his wife. Mm-hmm. Through through he gradually becomes a child. Their child. A series of ne- unexpected circumstances makes this life impossible for David. Without final acceptance by humans or machines, David embarks on a journey to discover where he truly belongs. And uncovering a world in which the line between robot and machine is both vast and profoundly thin. Yeah, because it wasn't in that world. AI was a normal like there was like the robots were alive in a sense, right? They they felt things. They you know they had emotions. They they had decisions. They had pains. They had all this stuff. So it wasn't just him who was unique yeah. like that. It, it was just that he was the only one that was designed to love. And I think that's why where he took a different journey than a lot of the other robots that existed around there. Okay. So, eh. It was, again, it was an interesting story. But, again, Bicentennial Man felt like he was the only unique one that had that kind of journey. Although his influence caused a lot of other robots to start similar journeys, if you remember correctly, too. Yeah. Which was cool. So... I'm down. Yeah, I'm super down to see what happens with this. But like that, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the latest episodes from my mom's garage. As always, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at from my mom's garage or email us at fmmg.podcast at gmail.com. Let us know where your thought let us know your thoughts, concerns, questions, comments, anything you want us to discuss. And as always, tell a friend, send a friend. Bring a friend. See you next week, guys. Peace.